every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Shout out to Ottawa. It is January 12th, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm your host, Brock, joined by my buddy, Pep, who's uh, in the dark. If anybody's watching the video, it's, it's, a, it's a somber sight over at his place right now, but he's still sporting a Steeler gear. How are you doing, Pep? I'm in mourning. It's three days of mourning, darkness, quiet. I don't talk about what happened. Some people have sent me like, oh, I'm really sorry about the game and I'm tough first quarter. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's it's too early for this. You know, text me next week when emotions have settled and we can talk about it rationally. But right now I'm irrational when it comes to the game and how it started. So I don't want to talk about it. I'm good. I'm glad that I'm here with you. This makes me feel a little bit better. Well, hey, um, I understand completely the same time it's a sports show so we are going to talk about it a little bit today <laughs> and you know again i'm a huge florida gator fan who screwed up on the very first play for the steelers was a florida gator great in, yeah. in the center pouncy and so it was uncharacteristic we are going to get into that we'll get into it a little bit later we'll ease into it a little bit because if not i don't need you <laughs> shutting down the internet feed and going off on your own but we'll ease into it um, you got to choose the exit song today. That's, that's nice. That's big. something. Yeah. That's something. That's, that's big. Pre- that's precious. <laughs> that's precious. <laughs> so Ottawa's, you know, again, we're in a 28 day, uh, is it a lockdown officially? Called? No, it's a stay at home order, which is kind of a big deal. So you're, if you're out for no reason, you can be fined potentially. Uh, most people, I'm sure, will lie if they're out with, in public doing something that they shouldn't be doing, uh, whether it's a group of five or six just going for like a cross-country ski. You're supposed to stay home. So that's like next level, you know, whatever's legal, you're okay, That's it's legal, but we want you to stay home. So right. um, stay home, people. Well, uh, Curtis has already put in a, uh, a petition to make the Bills watching parties uh, an essential service. So we'll see how that <laughs> turns out before saturday or whatever um we got a a pretty good show today we got we're going into wildcard weekend so there's some big nfl stuff we had the national championship of college football last night as well and we got a couple of guests on today who uh, are both knowledgeable in both both topics um for those who uh, were with us last weekend um our guest is back you ready to bring him on roll it let's do it the bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now, the bills are making it happen. Is he dancing by himself already? I'm not sure what he's doing. Oh, here we go. Uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right now, baby. Buddy, that was quite the weekend. Your your set is all lit. <laughs> happy. There's smiles all around. Flags are waving. The flag is waving. Do you do you notice um there's a contrast here? There's a lot of darkness. Darkness up there. You see that? There <laughs> and is. there's quite a lot of light. There's the, the um, it's very bright over here. Uh Bills are Bills are winning. Uh it's a good it's the NFL is a good place to be when the Bills are winning. Um and in light of winning 
and uh and, and jovial times i just wanted to make sure that you guys are awake to know about these bills because the bills are for real yeah give me them give me them air horns man listen yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got everything that was a good game this weekend um pierre on the on a on a uh on a on a fan to fan i feel for you i do it, it's hurtful i can feel the pain from the screen right now and uh i know you want to scream Inside, inside you're you're burning, um, and I've been there. We've been there. Yesterday, last yeah. week, lost against the Texans, hurt, hurt very much. We had it. Something oh, that Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's been through this. I mean, since since Tomlin took over. I mean, unprepared for big games. You know, as great a coach as he is, they've been unprepared for some really huge games. I mean, the, in 2017, they fell 21 zip to Jacksonville, hosting the second second round of the playoffs. Jacksonville just just had beaten Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So, you know, we've seen this time and time again. I don't know if it's schematic. I don't know if it's getting the guys too pumped up, not pumped up enough. At that level, should you even have to get those guys pumped up for a playoff Absolutely. game? Absolutely. So, I mean, that that opening snap was nerves, I think. You know, Pouncey's a, a, a professional. But, you know, to have them go down 28 zip before the, fourth, the first quarter is even over is really deflating, knowing this could be the end of a of – a, an era, uh, you know, like truly a really spectacular era of no less than 500 football <laughs> his whole career. So people are like clamoring for Ben to get to, you know, it's time for him to retire. No, he can't scramble. Look, he was sacked the least amount of times the NFL. Like he still has a good arm, good, good enough NFL arm. That's for sure. Um, it's that's not the problem. You know, the problem is they have no running game and Buffalo just a good lead into Buffalo. Buffalo, I think they should bring up this Antonio Williams kid because they're running game against the Colts. And you, we talked about it last week. Yeah. Some of the issues that Buffalo might have against the Colts did show up. Yep. Um, what do you think about the running situation as it stands now? Uh, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm on the I'm I'm on the side of bringing up Antonio Antonio Williams because of that 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 excitement that he brought uh, against the number one defense against Miami, uh, but. You're in a position right now as a as a head coach. Do you you have a TJ Yeldon, a veteran TJ Yeldon that's been inactive and on the roster all year long? Do you do you, I don't want to say disrespect, but do you bypass the veteran and go with the undrafted free agent rookie that we've signed and cut and signed and cut? He's been cut and signed like three or four times on this team. So, but was last week's uh, excuse me two weeks ago enough for him to be called up? Then we just tried, we just signed Devonte Freeman um, just today. So. There's a lot of things going on right now, but you have to bring it up. You have to bring it up. I mean, we get, we went against the Colts defense as the what the number two or number three run defense. So we knew we were going to have a challenge uh, running the rock. Um, but um, Antonio Williams needs to come up. He gives you the speed. He gives you the power. The only question I have is: is he able to protect pass block? You got to pass block. You can't pass block. You're going to be on the sideline. Now that's two things Zach Moss and Singletary do well. So hopefully Freeman can. Uh, excuse me, not Freeman. Uh, Antonio Williams can. Can uh, can prove himself if he's called up. We're gonna find out what McDermott wants to do. How hurt is Moss? Ankle. Apparently, apparently broken ankle. Uh, but they're just saying okay. ankle. Yeah, they're just saying ankle. But apparently, it's a broken ankle. So I mean, he's out for the playoffs for sure. So now it's just Singletary. Number one, number two has to go to Yeldon or Antonio Williams. So the challenge right now is, do you, we've only run with two running backs all year long? It was Singletary and Moss. That was it. So now. Moss being out, 
do you bring up Singletary or Moss, or do you bring up both? And if you bring up both, you have to deactivate somebody from from where? Not the receiver group. You need them all. O line, D line. It's it's going to be tricky as to where we decide to make a, a decision, or if they just bring one guy up. You're right. I think it's a it's a matter of um, you know because there's so much unknown in terms of these players. You got to bring up a couple of them. You got to have more guys on the bench ready to go and say, you know what, this guy, Yeldon, is a good third down back. He's a great pass catcher. Yes, he is. We know what we get with him. The excitement and the the upside and unknown, really, from from, uh, Williams, you say, okay, well, he's a guy we need to get up there too and say, let's give him some carries. But also, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, especially last game, where you you start getting Singletary some more work and a bit more – rhythm into the game versus this back and forth and sometimes that might is all you need from a spark standpoint for one guy is to to actually know that he's the guy and we're gonna we're gonna set up the game plan around it and give him an opportunity so uh, see and and here's my my problem does is it gonna matter who we bring up in the run game uh based on what the ravens did to the titans this past weekend the best running back in the game with derrick henry rushes for over two thousand yards and in that game, they keep them to they bottle them up to 40 yards. Now, is that indicative of just just was not a good game, or was that a great game plan um for from the Ravens? And does it does it is it gonna translate against the Bills? But like we're not a we're we have a high-powered passing offense, so they might have to change the philosophy and the reading rusher to beat Baltimore has to be Josh Allen. It will be. That has to be. Well, and, and I'll say watching this game that we played it in, in uh, against the Colts, and I was telling Pep and my brother while we were watching this. Yes, uh, Allen is is better at his reads. He's got a great arm, some big explosive plays, but when the run game is not necessarily generating the offense that you need, you need to have that intangible in Josh Allen that are his legs, much like Lamar Jackson, to say, you know what, we're going to spread everybody out. If you want to keep an extra guy in the box, that makes my reads easier. If you're not going to do that, I'm going to I'm going to call design runs and go right at the middle and say, you know what, I'm going to take the six, seven, eight yards carry and do that. And that's what's going to keep them honest. And I found the Bills didn't do that as much as I would have liked to have seen them do. No, and you're uh, you're absolutely right with that. And the the they're both similar quarterbacks. Uh, one obviously is a, is a better, a way better passer than the other. Um, but when it comes, I think they're going to bottle him up. They're going to, in the Colts game, what they wanted to do was keep him in the well is what they kept on saying in the game. Right. And that's keep him within between the tackles. If you keep Josh on between the tackles and, and force him to hold on to the ball and not find his reads, it becomes problematic. And this is when he tries to do this hero ball thing where he tries to stiff arm everybody in and bulldoze. And no, we, we almost lost the game by him fumbling and good Lord, Daryl Williams jumped on that fumble because if, Philip Rivers got that ball, man. I don't know, man. It would have been trouble for us. So we 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 got out of that game, although people will say that the Colts gave that game away. I think it was more so that it was just one game that went to the end and one team made more plays than the other. Now here's yeah, what it comes down to. Here's what I'm concerned about with the Bills. It's it's not they're not I don't think they're gonna be able to run. Look, I see Baltimore twice a year. Like I said, yeah. and I watch a few of their games whenever I can just yep. because I'm I'm uh I'm a fake uh, scout. But I will say this about Baltimore, and I'm concerned about Buffalo's health on the on the outside. I'm concerned about the health of their wide receivers. A couple of times, Diggs got up; he kind of wobbled back to the to the to the uh, huddle. He was able to continue on and and be really really effective. Actually, right. Beasley, on the other hand, 
I mean, he was yeah. playing on one leg. The yeah. health of their receivers is going to be a big deal with with that Baltimore secondary. You know, Marlon uh, Marlon Humphrey and yeah. uh, Marcus Peters; those guys get out there and they fly all over the place. Wink Martindale is one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL, and he's got all his horses up front now. The three like Calais Campbell and Williams, and they're loaded. Yeah, they um, are. I think. Brock nailed it. I think the leading rusher has to be Josh Allen because downfield, they're going to pressure the receivers and there's not going to be a lot of time. This is going to be a different beast, I think. So I think this will be a real test for Buffalo. Are you concerned with the health of their wide receivers? No, I'm not. I mean, I'm not because John Brown's coming back from, from injury um, and he didn't have a uh, he didn't have a great outing, but he's back to health. Yeah, he had a couple of big drops, big drops. So I'm hoping that he steps his game up and they're going to have to – the thing is, what – the Bills have the Titans didn't have. They don't have the speed. Like Brown is not, AJ Brown's not going to beat you downfield with speed. He's not right. Uh, they have Khalif Raymond, I believe that uh, was on that squad, and that's it. No, there's no there's no speed on the Titans. So they were able to play a lot more in the box and and put Marcus Peters in man man. Now you are going up against the speed. John Brown's got the speed. Gabe Davis has got the speed. That's who they. That's the key for me. Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is, was big last game. Is going to be big this game again. With a week of rest, I'm hoping Cole Beasley is going to be effective. So they're going to have their hands full. Um, so, But at the end of the day, it's going to fall in the hands of our quarterback, our franchise. We live and die by this guy uh, in Josh Allen. So we're going to we're gonna find out. The key to the victory here for me, you got to put points up early on Baltimore and now make Lamar one-dimensional. But this guy, you can never really make him one-dimensional because he could throw for 37 or run for 40 and take it down so you got to really really be disciplined what's your thoughts on the conspiracy with the nfl and keeping the bills out of the playoffs when it came to that fumble that was really a fumble they tried it and they tried oh that was awful they absolutely tried it on us and i don't care what like you have professionals there looking at a screen zooming in Turn it from every angle, and you're going to tell me inconclusive. Get out of here, man! They tried it, and it's just not—it's not going to happen. So I think we're destined uh, to 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 go to the Super Bowl, man. And that was—if that wasn't indicative of of how we move past that, I don't know what else is. But they tried it. My goodness! And then on top of that, we got our tight end. We got our our um our timeout back. That was yeah. that was a weird event. I'm not sure if you guys realized that. Yeah. yeah. We, we called the timeout to say, back. hey, 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 what's going on? And first of all, within two minutes, anything that is controversial, uh, touchdown or uh, a turnover, you got to review it, right? And they weren't going to review it until we called the timeout. And then they said, well, no, 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 you didn't have to call the timeout. We were going to review it or something. So we, you can have your timeout back. Timeout back, exactly. Yeah. Now we're going to soother back in the baby's mouth when you told them they couldn't have a snack. Right. Oh, your soother back. You said, well, <laughs> and then you distract me. Hold on. Oh, we got a time. Wait a second. It's our ball. It's supposed to be our football, but you're going to give me a timeout back and call oh, really? it. No. I think the NFL, I have a problem with the NFL's replay rules. You know, yeah. I've had for a while, especially when it comes to playoffs and the amount of, I want to say, money. In terms of betting and stuff like that, I want to talk about from a a franchise like you, you think back to like the you know the Saints uh, pass interference calls like like Terrible. just stuff that's that's yeah. blatant. There's some blatant calls for sure. In a in a playoff format, okay, you want to do it during the season to say you got a couple of things. It's 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 indicative on what what timeouts you have left and how many challenges you could do because we want to keep the game going. I get yep. it. More important than keeping the game going is getting the game right. 
And college does it in terms of they have a replay booth crew that replays every single play. And if there's an issue, a discrepancy, they buzz down on the ref, he stops the play, either changes it or gets a bit more time just to confirm things. But every every play is reviewed up in the box. And the NFL has enough money and enough resources to make sure that their games are done and uh, the outcomes are right based on what happens on the field. And for me, I think from at least a playoff standpoint, they should go to a model very similar to that. See, the NFL is very much like uh, Quebec. Let me put it this way. You guys are probably like, what? what are you talking about? Quebec likes to do things very different from Ontario just because, right? Just so like, Ontario is like college football. We, there's things that make sense. They do. Sometimes they don't. And you think that the NFL would, you know what? That makes sense what the college guys are doing. Let me do that. Same on Quebec. Ontario might do something. Quebec's like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to do it the way we want to. And that's what it is. Comply or not. So there's a lot of that going on in the NFL. College has got it down pat. Follow the model from the college college game. Nope, we're going to do it our way, and that's what it is. We're just going to try to fit. No, man, just whatever makes sense, just do it. But they don't want to do it that way. They want to be complicated. So, so be it. That was that call we watched. Oh, they played it on re replay six or seven or 8,000 times. But you know, I wish we had it with us right now. I should have thought about that. Watching that uh, that call, it was so decisive oh. that, that it, was a it was a fumble. Uh, for them to say... You know, it's inconclusive. And I, I mentioned, I turned over to Curtis, uh, Brock's uh, Brock's brother, and said, they might, they may, there's a small chance the refs could say it's inconclusive and that ruling stands on the field. And he was just like, For, there's no way this is inconclusive. It's and, so decisive. And I turned to Brock, and Brock said the same thing. I said, guys, I, 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 in my eyes, it looks like it's totally, like, conclusive. It's a fumble. And they called it. I couldn't believe it. We were all, all three of us were so in shock yeah. that, we just sort of like it numbed us, and the game had to go on. So you, you don't even have time to really dwell on it. To get, you know, next play, next man up. Yep. But the NFL, I, it's there's got to be something there, Brock. I think you got. I think Brock's onto something. There has to be something bigger than just that because those plays happen too often. The referees are too scared to overturn a call, maybe because of the juncture of the game. The game would have ended, so the referees yeah. know if we make this right. call, it's over. Right, so and they, they need to they need to extend and make it fun, make it uh, you know, where there's a, there's intrigue, and you 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 have to, as a fan, and if you if you if you like conspiracies and stuff, you have to like really dive into them. Like, really, are you really gonna extend this and give them one other shot? And look right. look how much this would have changed, right? Let's just oh say, my god, let's just say they um they they gave Rivers another opportunity, hail mary, pass interference. Now you're on the one yard line, giving Jonathan Taylor and that O line with Quentin Nelson an opportunity to punch it in and then ruin ruin a game. The refs would have been lambasted by the fan base, and you would have had a Buffalo fan base in in just crushed because of the terrible call. But things prevailed, and we, we got through it. Fan base had just traveled from Washington to catch the game. Um, this is uh, <laughs> we got a comment from uh, our buddy Lorne. Back down in uh, in Pittsburgh, he says that he's shocked that Pep is uh, is actually wearing his Steeler gear today. I'm representing Lauren, my friend. I know I know you're suffering with me, pal. <laughs> yeah, he's down there. Obviously, uh, for those who didn't uh, tune into that episode, Lauren Goldenberg works with Big Ben and uh, helps him rehab his arm, get him in there. Oh, so cool. very close with the Steelers, and uh, and he's down in Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, he was probably just as upset as Pep, but. Well, Lauren's not wearing his Steeler gear around today. It's so. a tough time. 
I will say this. I want to say this about the Ravens game. Uh, and you mentioned your your key to success for them. And my my key is for them. To, they need to they need to get off the field on third down. They need to make sure the Ravens don't get. You know, the Ravens are a running football team. It, it's going to be third and three a hundred times during that game. The key yeah. is get getting them off the field. They're notorious. John Harbaugh's been doing it for years. Fourth and one, they're going for it. They're it's it's like a full house in the backfield. They're going to run the ball. The Bills got to get off the field on third down or it's going to be a long day and the clock management will be a real big issue. I think it'll be a tipping point. Do you think the Bills can get off the field on third down with Dobbins and all those guys, Ingram and everybody, Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson, who had maybe the best quarterback run I've ever seen in the playoff? Are you concerned team. about this? It's a big deal. Of course. If I if I could tell if I tell you that I'm not concerned and the Bills defense is going to hold off. No, 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 no. We're not. We're the number 14. I think we're the number 14th and number 15th defense. And we our weakness is stopping the run. Stopping the run is very problematic. That is why we loaded up our D-line with we have 50 million tied up in that D-line with Mario, uh, Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, Ed Oliver, uh uh Oliver, but we have Butler on that squad. Uh, Jefferson, there's a lot of money tied into that for reasons like this going up against a quarterback. Like, so we just have to have gap integrity, make sure that we contain what the Titans did. The Titans, they bottled him up decent, but he found creases up the middle when it was one on one. And that's how that's how he did it. So we just have to and we have athletic linebackers in Milano and Edmonds uh, that can run sideline to sideline. So the last time the Bills played um, Lamar Jackson, we we contained them. I'm not going to say we bottled them up, but we contained them to, I think, I think like 49 yards rushing, something of that nature. So it's possible. Leslie Frazier and McDermott are going to have a good game plan for him. Uh, is, um, but if I sit here, I'm not concerned. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that. But I will say this, though. The real question is, let's flip it. Can the Ravens keep us off the field? Uh, can we? Can Because we, we are number one in the league in third down conversions. We're converting at 49, almost 50%. So they have to keep us uh, from from converting on our third downs, and that's gonna be that's gonna be tough for them. Colts did a very good job last week. I'll give them that, but for the most part, all teams have had trouble stopping us. And when it's fourth and one and fourth and two, McDermott of past would have said, "Punt that ball." Fourth and one, fourth and two, we're going for it. You best believe it. So this is gonna be a a tough matchup both sides. I I'm not fear. I don't fear the Ravens, but I still respect. I respect the hell out of the Ravens. You got to make Lamar beat you with his arm, and I think that's what Buffalo is going to do. Yeah. Um, from a scheme standpoint, again, yep. uh, I'm a firm believer that Josh Allen has to be involved in the run game. Uh, has to, you know, if he doesn't see things quick, make those quick decisions and keep Baltimore's defense honest and not just playing the pass in those sense. And I think the Bills will have a pretty decent chance. But like you said, you have athletic linebackers. They can cover sideline to sideline. Can they cover Lamar Jackson sideline to sideline? That'll be remain to be seen. That guy is sure. something else. Yeah, but it'll be a, an interesting game. So it, the line is Buffalo minus two. Mm -hmm. with prediction. Oh boy, you're asking for that's an early that's an early prediction. What? Uh, <laughs> yo, I don't know, man. All this right. is tough. But um, minus two. Yeah, I can say we could. I, I think it comes down to like I think it's going to be within four four points. This game is going to be it's going to stay within four points. Um, but we're going all the way, so I'm taking that. I'm taking that minus two. I got now, it. Got I am. It. I am not a fan of Baltimore. I, in fact, they're my least favorite team in the NFL. I would. I would assume uh, so. Yeah. But I'm gonna give them credit where credit's due. Ronnie Stanley, arguably the best left tackle in the NFL, got hurt. They haven't missed a beat with their running game. I think 
you are going to learn all about your Buffalo Bills come Saturday. Are they playing I Saturday? Agree. Saturday, gonna, Saturday night. I agree. Oh, you know, they're going to, because on, guess what? On third and three, like you said about, you know, they got to worry about us getting off the field. Yeah. You're man to man, bump and run, and they're in your face. They take a lot of chances. They hit hard. They're, they've got swagger, which rightfully so, because they've been uh, a top five defense for as long as I can remember, really. You're going to learn all you need to know about your I Buffalo on at this game. And if they can get by the Ravens, I, you're going to see, this is like dynasty type stuff. Oh yeah! If they get this by the Ravens. This is like confidence builder times a thousand. No 100%. offense to the Colts. No offense to the Steelers. No offense yep. to all those. Teams. But this is like a huge mountain that they can they can climb and overcome. I totally agree. Totally agree. This is this is one of those like prop me like we beat the Ravens. Yep. The, then we'll, we'll I think we'll match up well against the the Chiefs or the Browns because the Browns are going to give uh, the the Chiefs some fits with that run game. That run game the Browns have is not a joke. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, and that Wyatt Teller, and that O-line over there with the Browns are not a joke. And they got some decent receivers over there. So it's all about Baker Mayfield, but I'm, we're not talking about the Browns here. But um, it's it's going to be a tough matchup. And I think, I think we're up to the test. But you're right. We're going to learn a lot about this team, a lot. And I just don't want Josh Allen. He hasn't done it thus far. I don't want him to... Uh, to do too much, right? Forcing the ball to to Stefan Diggs, uh, it's you don't need to. The ball, the game will open up, right? But I, it's going to be hard to to handle Stefan Diggs, man. Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Marcus Peters. I'll tell you this though, love Marcus Peters, but he is he can be a liability. He's an aggressive corner, and you give him a stop and go, he's looking for that pick. We're gone. Yep. You better watch out, man. They take chances. Oh yeah, they do. They do take their chances, but that defense is a is a problem. So we'll so we'll find out. They're going to make the quarterback beat them and find that where they're taking the chance and make sure that they they, yeah. they take it. Oh, we got another comment, obviously from uh, Big Double D DJ Double D Dan Duran. Let's go Buffalo! And he's the first one that actually has his name in the comments. So I don't oh, know man. what you you accepted or approved, <laughs> but it's nice to actually have somebody's name on the comment instead of having Dan, Dan Duran. Dan Duran knows the he knows the deal, man. Go Bills, man. We got all, also Yannick Jengra, a guy I went to elementary school with. Might be my oldest friend. Uh, like we go back so so far back. He throws out a "Go Bills, go!" Oh, man. oh there he is. He's Facebook it's user number whatever. That's Yannick Jengra. Uh, great guy, huge Buffalo fan. Has been to like uh, uh, many stadiums to go. Uh, I think it's it's kind of like his uh, bucket list thing where You're he pretty. goes uh, baseball, baseball games. I think football as well, but I'd have to ask him. Anyway, he says "Go Bills." I like that. Respect to you, Mr. Jean-Gras. Let's go, man. <laughs> All right. We're going to get your picks for the week. Yeah, and then we'll let you get to your uh, your family business. Actually, I just yeah. got a text message from a buddy of mine who lives in Wisconsin. Uh, he's my Colgate my yeah. from Colgate's brother, who is actually TJ Lang's cousin. So TJ's playing Green Bay, and that's yeah. where he set up. Anyway, he sent me uh, – he's like, uh, just got one of 6,000 people who are allowed into the Green Bay game, and he just got one of the tickets. So nice. I don't know him, but he's going to be in the Green Bay that's game. That's impressive. Lambo's quite the sight. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. So we already know your Buffalo pick. Yep. Let's go with, um, <laughs> So we got the well the Rams at Green Bay and Green Bay's minus seven. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking Green Bay. Yeah, I think that's uh, yep. probably a safe bet. Pep, yep. if you uh, disagree, by all means, speak up. I don't. Think I, I do disagree. I think I th 
they're the best defense in the NFL. And I mean, I know Rodgers is hot, but they're the Rams. Do you think the Rams are the best defense in the NFL? Statistically, they're they're ranked number one. So point, point wise, yeah, okay. I mean, we're talking like Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the NFL, and then this number two is not even close. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm going Rams in a very very close game because I think they got. I mean, they went into they went and beat Seattle. That's that is no joke. You talk about the the bullies of the NFL. It's Seattle and Baltimore, and that's a tough place to play. But Seattle. You. Seattle is it's not they're not what you know I mean people like want to claim them to be they were playing cupcakes all year and I'm not trying to like toot the horn of the Buffalo but when Buffalo came in and whooped on the on the on the Seahawks they went on a downhill slide because they got exposed yeah they got exposed, man. So I don't uh, see. I don't use Seattle. Seattle as a barometer. I, I'm sorry. I can't do that. I actually agree with you on that one. I'm, I wasn't a huge fan. And that's Seattle was probably the place that I noticed the most. Seattle, uh, New Orleans a little bit, but they had some fans there. But Seattle didn't have any fans. And I felt that that home field advantage was huge the window when they had no fans there. And it and showed there was no energy whatsoever. Um, okay. So you got Green Bay. We got the, the Saints versus the Bucks. Oh, that's a tough Brady one. Threes. Uh Saints are minus three. Yeah, I'm taking the Saints. I don't trust that Bucks defense. Saints. Uh, Browns at Kansas City. Oh, I'm taking the Bucks. FYI. I'm you're taking I'm, the Bucks? I'm taking the Bucks. Plus three. This whole breeze, uh, you know, the, the swan song that is setting up the Super Bowl uh, in New Orleans. Uh, you know, nothing it, like that. I think Arians pulls out a, a couple of wild card tricks uh, in in the playoffs with uh, with his teams notoriously defensively, anyways. And offense, you'll see a gadget player too. But uh, I just was not I I wasn't impressed with New Orleans against Chicago. I know the score was a little lopsided, but for a long time in that game, it was like ten three, and it they just you were impressed by Tampa Bay against Washington. I beg your pardon, sorry. You were you were more impressed with Tampa Bay in Washington <laughs> again? It's one of those. Well, Washington again. Washington's a good defense. I'm going Tampa. Okay, I'm going to- all right. Tampa it is. Uh, KC minus 10 against the Browns. Now, are we talking about just pre- the spread here? or yeah, However you want. <laughs> so, I think the, the Browns cover the spread. Um, and I honestly think that they're going to they're gonna take the Chiefs. Here's why. You're going to think I'm crazy. But the month of December, the Chiefs have not looked the same. Right? Mahomes has, has 17 passes that should have been intercepted. Uh, this year, right? Mahomes is great. Don't get me wrong, but I think that the the Browns are going to give them uh, a dose of this run game, keep them off the field, and I think Baker is going to make enough plays to upset the Chiefs. And if they don't upset the Chiefs, at least they'll cover the spread. Give me the Browns. All right, you heard it here first. You know what? After uh, beating the the Steelers, those Browns. Again, you talk about the confidence that the Bills could have by beating the Ravens and kind of taking that next step. I think the Browns game against the Steelers might have been just that and see where that confidence takes them. And they're, you know what I mean? I think from every from, from Juju, I think Juju Smith is the biggest uh jinx wow. that the Steelers have. The guy's dancing on logos, getting a butt kicked. He's done it multiple times. And then the Browns are just the Browns. Like that attitude, and whether it's just him or whether it was the whole Steelers, it seemed like that attitude was brought to the game. And Cleveland wanted to win. And the Steelers just thought eventually the Browns are just going to lose it and and they'll win. But I just think that uh, Juju's got to, Tom has got to keep Juju in, in check or can, the other can players. I, can I add something? 
a lot yeah. a lot of people want to blame Juju. Um, but the the one person to blame is Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger shoot out AB, got him out of got him out of Pittsburgh, right? And he was like, and all that stuff got public, and then that sent AB on some next level nonsense. And then he got Le'Veon Bell out of Pittsburgh as well. You know what I'm saying? Making comments on Le'Veon Bell's contract is down the third. So you you got two of your key guys out, and you wanted Schuster. Schuster didn't give you nothing all year. He gave you a 200, 200 yard games all year. And Schuster's man, bump all that. Ben Roethlisberger is the reason y'all lost four turnovers. Shame on that old man. Retire. And plus, on top of that, I wanted to go off on this. $41 million. You want to give this guy all that money? Boot it. Get out of here. <laughs> okay. Okay. I gotta okay. I gotta come. I gotta pipe in here. I hang on a second. I gotta pipe in here. I was waiting for you to pipe in. First of all, it's gonna be ugly in Kansas City. It, it's that's it's gonna be. I mean, they gave up 34, 34 points to old man Ben or 37 or whatever it was. This That's not Ben Roethlisberger they're going into KC there. We're talking Mahomes and Hill, and they got all their horses. Levy, the aforementioned Le'Veon Bell. So I think it's going to be ugly. Now, when we talk about Pittsburgh, I, I know you got to go, and I got two minutes. I'm just going to yeah. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. respond to what you said. Please do. AB, I think, uh, shoot himself out of town. And he met with uh, with Dan Rooney, and they they he basically said, "Look, I just want to be I want to be out of here. Um, I don't want to be in the city." That was really that he just didn't want to be there. Why do you um, think he didn't want to be there? His quarterback. Well, he they had he had lost Martavis Bryant, so you know they he was seeing doubles and triples, and he wasn't happy about that. He wasn't happy that Juju had 110 catches that year. So he's like, "I'm not I'm no longer the man." This kid's getting all the publicity. He's a great kid. He's doing all this stuff in the in the community. I'm getting all the attention, and and uh, and I'm not. So I think that really bothered him. And at the end of the year, in in a winner win and move on, lose your out situation, he got suspended for showing up late or didn't show up to the pregame or whatever. So he was benched. Yeah, I mean, that's that, Tomlin kind of flex, but I mean, that's I I, I think what choice do you have in that point i get it as far as, far as juju's concerned i hate the dancing i hate the logo stuff i hate the, the bulletin board material yeah. but i'll never fault the kid because of what he does outside of the uh, outside of the field in the community he's probably the best person on the team he's he's always nominated for whatever award it is for the uh, uh yeah, the like yeah. like the late the lady being a football yeah. i mean the guy does so much for the community and if the worst thing you could say about a guy is his, he's awful on TikTok, then I think the guy's doing pretty okay. But he does have a tendency to give bulletin board material to these guys, and it, and it, it bit him in the butt. Now, he did have a great game. He had 12 catches for over 100 yards, and he had some crucial catches, but it was too, too little too late, and he, he motivated the Browns to kick their butt in the first quarter, and it was over. Hot take. Deontay Johnson's the better receiver. He's your best receiver on your team. Juju Smith-Schuster Smith only had huge years because A.B. was taking all the attention. Now that A.B. went, where has Juju been? Nowhere. Deontay Johnson is that guy. Hot take. take That's that. not great. That's not good news for us because yeah, he he falls he falls down. He's got the drops. He's got he's got to grow up. He, he will. That's just he a, will. that's just an order of receivers. So it was A B and then Juju. A B left. Juju went up to one. Johnson came in second. Those second ones generally uh, get the love. Get coverage that is subpar, if you will, or yeah. secondary thought. Yeah. yeah. And so. They're taught to expose that and take advantage of it. So if your number two is good, then they start getting some more attention. You can open up for number one, yada, yada. That's just kind of the way uh, that works. we got Troy St. Louis, who completely disagrees with, with the KC thing. He says it's KC by 20-plus, and he's actually said at halftime. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Attaboy, T-Bone. Attaboy, T-Bone. Way to represent. 
<laughs> All right, man. We've uh, taken enough of your time. We got to move on. We appreciate it. We no will doubt. hopefully have you back next week again, and we'll see how this weekend goes. Anytime. Go Buffalo. I will be uh, a sulky individual if the Bills lose. I'll tell you that much right now. Go Bills, go. I'm going for the Bills. I got a Jim Kelly jersey. I'm throwing her on. Salute. That's called the karaoke curse. So you heard it here first. So <laughs> next week, that's going to be on you. All right, let's go. We got a show sponsor you want to talk about today, Pep. Well, yeah. Um, this episode is brought to you by the Wheel Deal Complete Auto Service. Buddy of mine uh, named Corey, who you know very well, Brock. In fact, you introduced me to him. His buddy named Hashem owns a really, really, really good, honest, um, complete auto service a shop on Bentley Avenue in uh, downtown Ottawa. And, um, you know, brought my Jeep in. I think most of us can agree. One of the most stressful things in life is uh, finding a mechanic. I think none of us know a lot about cars unless you took auto mechanics in school. So, you know, finding a, a trustworthy, kind, um, good mechanic in this city can be nerve wracking. And I was lucky enough to find one thanks to you and to Corey. So shout out to the wheel deal. And this episode is brought to you by the wheel deal. And I just came up with that. Uh, the last few weeks we've had scripted commercials. That's off the cuff. All right. I'll give you <laughs> what else you want. That was great. That was great. Uh, thank you. <laughs> You just don't want anybody to hold him accountable for the, yeah, the right. or whatever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If you can find a good mechanic, somebody you trust, Hey, stick with them and you'll be there for years. Cause cars yeah. always break down. No kidding. Okay. We are going to uh, move on. I really wish. So I started drinking my, my water out of the uh, Mason jar you gave me, but when you and uh, Ron Rico were going at it, I was like, I wish I had a bowl of popcorn here just to sit back, pull me out. Let's just go. I want to see this because I knew it was coming. I just didn't know how bad it was going to be. Um, I'd like to apologize to the Bills fans with a comment about coming down from Washington. My brother, uh, our fact checker, our quality control sent me a message in the back saying, and he was a big Bills fan. He did not appreciate that comment. Um, so <laughs> the reason I said it too is because I knew, I know some Bills fans that I went to school with at Colgate who are on Facebook. I doubt he's listening, but the stuff he posts is that. So anyway, that's what I associate um, that with. We're moving on. We're moving into the College Football National Championship that happened last night, and we have a College Football intro. <laughs> Right on. Okay, we have a guest today. He goes by the name of Christian Couture. He's a longtime friend of uh, the show. Both of us, we were basketball players and, and teammates for years, starting at uh, Philemon before we knew you, and then uh, a little bit at Heritage. And we are, I think, still probably the the best team to ever play in the three on three Naismith tournament up in Almond, Ontario. Um, welcome, Chris Couture, to the show, fellas. How's it going? <laughs> Excited to be on today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> are, you wearing, are you What's wearing that? a Bama shirt? Are you wearing an Alabama shirt? Supporting the colors, my friend. Supporting the colors. I think that still has folds in it from when you bought it. You bandwagon <laughs> jumper. Okay, so um, Chris, again, we kind of uh, went a little bit over time with uh, with the Bills talk, but quickly, uh, give us a little background of your 
uh, draw to college football and, and uh, I guess how you became a, an Alabama fan too, even. Yeah. So about, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, I was, I was uh, just fully involved in basketball, wanting to watch every game that there was out there. And, and, and during the March madness tournament, uh, I saw just how much the uh, the fans got involved, the, the students in those in those universities, and I um, I was just floored on how excited and um, interested they were as part of their team. So I uh, I've always liked football. I always liked uh, watching the NFL. And uh, when I watched my first game of, uh, of college football, it happened to be the Alabama Crimson Tide, and. Uh, I started to learn the game a little bit and start to learn players, started to learn the, uh, I never played the game of football and uh, learned it through, through television really. And I can honestly say right now, I know a lot about the team. I'm not a historian by any stretch of the imagination. I've been following, like I said, for the last 10, 15 years, but uh, there's no better team in college football than the Alabama Crimson Tide, in my opinion. So would you as a as a classic bandwagon jumper, or was it just uh, something that came up? Who was Alabama playing that first game that you watched? I, you know what, to be honest with you, Brock, I don't remember exactly, but I mean, it was so long ago. But the, just the 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 style of play, right? The style of play of these young players is different from the NFL. I mean, you have you you have the mistakes that are made by these players because they're so raw, right? Mm -hmm. They haven't been polished by the NFL coaches. They, they, um, you know, they're, they're, they're like five-star recruits or four-star recruits that are coming up from high school and they get their first opportunity to play on the big stage for them in these college stadiums of like 80 to 140,000 people in, you know, in Michigan, for example. And it's nice to see these momentum swings in these games, right? So you can, you at one moment you think, oh, there's no way the other the opposition's going to come back in these games. They got a landslide lead. They got they're up by two, three, four touchdowns, right? And you say to yourself, there's no way, but there are. There always is a way because these these young players do make fundamental mistakes in the game, whether it's a fumble, whether it's an INT, right? Whether it's a you know. Uh, it, 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 these these are the things that capture the fans' interest in the game, right? That's why I like the game of football, and the college football in particular. Yeah, you know, and I've always said it before. It's it's uh, in college, it's really a game of scheming, sort of your best players against some of their less uh, less experienced players, and trying to make guys make mistakes. And there's really nobody that does it better than what we saw last night with Alabama and, and Ohio State. You know, Alabama won 52-24. Is that indicative of actually the difference in those two teams? In my opinion, no. You have their best running back, Sermon, go down in the first the first play, breaks his collarbone. The guy had ran for 193 against Clemson, 331 in the Big Ten Championship against Northwestern, whose defense was actually very good this year. Um, and then they lost uh, Wyatt Davis, one of their best O linemen as well. So they were their only way to beat Alabama last night would have been to basically run the ball, which Alabama has been susceptible to this year, um, and slow the pace, long drives, keep the ball out of Alabama's hands. Without those guys, you just can't do that. But regardless, when we're watching Alabama last night, 
Steve Sarkeesian is their offensive coordinator. Devontae Smith is their Heisman Trophy winning receiver. The guy sets records, and he didn't even play in the second half. What is it about this Alabama team that makes them so good on offense? I mean, it's led by, you know, their head coach, Nick Saban, number one. I mean, he's a proven vet. He's now got seven championships to his name. But Sarkeesian, he, that guy, that guy can, 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 can call a game. That OC is unbelievable. And the reason why he's moving on is because he's so good. I mean, Alabama's bringing in uh, uh, Bill O'Brien from uh, the Texans, right? Uh, he's going to replace, replace Sarkeesian as the OC. I don't, I'm not sure how that's going to trans, uh, uh, transpire or how that's going to, that's going to work out. But yeah, I agree, Pep. I mean, I mean, he, he was a former head coach of the, uh, you know, the uh, Penn State Nittany Lions, right? So at one point in 2013, I believe he was the, the head coach and he started in, started there. Now he went to the NFL, you know, he, he had some good years and some bad years, whatever. But I think now at this point in time, he's going back to college to refine his, his, his skills. Like, I think he's, he's going back to the college game to learn how maybe some of the game is played today, right? So the game has evolved. The game has changed. You have a lot of RPOs that are happening. You have a lot of gadget plays that are happening in college football. Uh, and some of these things are things that he needs to learn. And maybe eventually, maybe down the road, if he gets another opportunity in the NFL, maybe he takes some of his learnings that he's going to have with the Alabama Crimson Tide back to wherever he ends up, right? Well, yeah, Bill O'Brien to me is I, I think he was his his downfall in Houston was he was a poor leader of of men. And he had some squabbles with some of the guys. And you know, by the end, I think they they just said, look, we're not going to play for this guy anymore. But in terms of uh devising a scheme, I mean, Houston was really good the last four or five years. They I think they won the South three out of five years. Like this guy knows how to call football, uh, and offensively, his is where he's his his real strength is. I think he, I think he's going to be great in college. I think he nailed it though. He's like taking a step back, no pressure, working under Saban. You know, he'll just be able to. It's like a kid with a toy, you know, and I don't have to worry about putting it away when I'm done with it. Like it's it's going to be. Uh, I think it's a perfect fit for him right now at his stage of his career. So I think you're going to be really happy with Bill O'Brien as an Alabama fan. And uh, just to your point, and both of you guys mentioned this, what I really noticed about college football, I noticed this for years. I just don't, I just don't, don't watch it. I, I really should watch more. What I noticed is that the skill guys, the really, really talented guys are, are f um, few and far between as opposed to the NFL where it's the best on the best. So you don't really see a, a guy shine as much in the NFL because he's guarded by a guy who's equally as good in college. You've got like, I mean, you got incredible athletes who are just so far above the competition that it's beautiful to watch quarterback receiver. Like Adams was, or not Adams, um, Smith, Devonte Smith. Yeah. He was on. He was next level yesterday. Like it was him, and then it was like running against children. So that's the beauty of college football. A guy like Brian, uh, Bill O'Brien will be able to if if they happen to have a guy like Devontae Smith next year, he he's going to work wonders with them. I think you're going to be thrilled. Well, I personally hope that Bill O'Brien turns out to be your Charlie Weiss because that's what he was supposed <laughs> to be when he came back to Florida. And uh -oh. That guy did not pan out whatsoever. But if Pep, if you're right in terms of Bill O'Brien, in terms of leader of men. Uh, that's one skill set he's going to learn in abundance working with Nick Saban because Nick yep. Saban is 
probably arguably one of the best leaders uh, in sports. He just set the record for most national championships, uh, surpassing Bear Bryant uh, in Alabama. Really? Oh, yeah. He got seven. Bryant was six, which at the time they thought that nobody would ever eclipse that. Um, and Saban is just absolutely rolling. And that's one thing with college football, and I've said it before, if you win – Recruits want to go there. You recruit him, it gets easier, and then that ball keeps rolling. And I fully believe if Urban Meyer hadn't screwed up the Florida Gators and pulled that whole like health shoot to get out, we'd still be talking about them rolling because they're they were winning. They were getting the top one or two recruiting classes every single year. Guys wanted to be there, and that's how your program rolls. And Nick Saban and his tenure and his longevity in that program is paying dividends in terms of just turning players over. Look at the guys that sat last night um, after in the fourth quarter and when Najee Harris went, you know, and said, okay, I think he got banged up maybe, but um, he was out and they put in this Robinson. He's like a freshman kid and he's trucking people. And you're just like, oh, so he's the guy that's going to be beating us next year. Like it's, just, it's a constant turnover. It's super impressive, but that's what Saban brings to that team. Yeah, Alabama is, is, has been a breeding ground for a lot of these NFL stars as a, you know, in the last 10 years. I like you take a look at some of these these players that have moved on from Alabama to the pros. I mean, that's one of the things you asked me earlier, Brock, what 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 made me a college football fan? I mean, when I was watching the NFL, I'm looking at these elite star players, right, that are out there and I'm thinking to myself, okay, what did they look like in college? Like how 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 did they become such standouts in the NFL what what could they have possibly looked like in college so it got me watching these these college games to see them before they made it to the pros see what the talent is see what that raw talent is not much different than you know in in the NBA and you're looking at these young guys like Kobe Bryant and company whatever out of the out of high school you want to kind of see what their raw abilities are before they're all polished up in the NFL and playing against the top of the top like the best of the best right so it's kind of kind of need to see them progress and that with college football you see these guys stand out and then when they get to the pros you're like oh and they may not stand out at that point again you're you're going from a big big fish in a small pond to uh just a regular fish in the nfl yeah. one and you're kind of trying to make your way uh the old peak grab there pep the uh, where, where do you guys think uh, uh trask and mac jones end up next year first round picks I, I, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, you, I was listening to your uh, Eureka there before, and I'm obviously, uh, as you can see in the back there, I'm a I'm a Colts fan, right? So we're uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be hurting at the quarterback position next year, right? So I'm I'm going with the assumption that Philip Rivers is gonna hang it up, right? So either we bring in somebody like Carson Wentz, maybe, or we start looking at those draft picks that might be available, like you said, Mac Jones, you know, Justin Fields, perhaps. Um, I, I I think. I mean, Mac Jones has got, you know, unbelievable accuracy. His passes are on point. Like, there's no doubt about it. He's great. A high, high percentage of his passes. But he lacks the mobility aspect of things, right? Though That, uh, you know, you know when, the, when the pocket's closing and he's got he's to roll out, whatever, he doesn't have that, that mobility piece, I don't think. Um, I mean, Justin Fields totally does. You know, like if I had a, my wish, you know, Trevor Lawrence would be on my first, first, uh, first name on, the, on my uh, – draft board right um but that's the other thing as well right so the uh in the nfl i think i mean correct me if i'm wrong you guys have your own opinions but i think the nfl values its draft picks more than any other professional sports when they start 
making trades and they start including picks in their trades, it means it's a it's a big deal, right? They, oh yeah, these franchise players uh, coming out of college can make or break a football franchise. Like it's that important. So you don't want to make a mistake with your draft. Yeah, you know why they're so important in the NFL? It's because there's no farm system. So when you're drafting guys, it's, hey, they got to make the team. We need to get these stars. So we need front-loaded drafts to say these are the guys that are actually going to play. We can't take a bunch of chances on a bunch of six-round picks that we can develop and groom for a couple of years like they can in every other sport. The NFL doesn't have that, so it's kind of a one-shot and done. So you got to make it count, and you guys got to come in and prove themselves and take a spot out of that, off that 53-man roster before their career is over. I'm a little yeah, frustrated. I think they have they need a farm system. I, I don't know if I've ever expressed that, but <laughs> they need a, a farm system of some sort that lets guys uh develop. Some guys, you know, they come out of college and they're and they're very good, but maybe they just need the you know a couple more years or whatever it is. Groom these guys, don't have well, them packing groceries and just training like yeah. hoping for something. Groom them into into something. So uh, do you do you view? I mean, I think the the idea behind the Rock buying the XFL, I think his vision is to have it as a feeder league, or or, or a farm system where these teams have affiliates. Um, you know, like the New York Gladiators are going to be like the New York Giants and Jets farm farm system, so the players can go and actually get playing time, not just practice squad uh, reps. Do you? Uh, but it's off season, right? Like it's XFL plays one one year, and then so do you? Do you suggest a farm system? like during the NFL season, like the NHL has? You know what? There's there's many different models, but um, I would probably not compete with it, especially if there's money involved and you want to make sure that, um, you know, you're capitalizing on it because it's so tough from a Friday night being high school, Saturday college, Sunday NFL, although the, the NFL is spilled over to Thursdays and Mondays and whatever. If we sort of went back to that, that, system maybe thursday nights was the uh um the minor league night or something like that and you just kind of garner some interest that way but if you're competing directly with the nfl if it if it's strictly dollars and saying look it has to be viable for us to do this then i don't think it's very fair if you have it sort of uh maybe a, a season leading up to it or right after uh again but there's we can go into a lot more issues in terms of you know a guy playing in the minor league system and maybe if the season was before and then trying to go right into an nfl season his body's not going to going to handle that and stuff like that so timing has to be taken in consideration but um that i can go into a lot more details of issues that we might be uh, facing but uh it needs to be done in some sort of uh facet smaller seasons shorter seasons um you know it doesn't have to be a, a farm system for each team share them you know what i mean like four teams could have a farm system a farm team that they share or whatever anyway there's uh there's multiple things, but I just think it's from a football standpoint and from a, a guy who's gone through it, it would have been nice to say, you know what, there is a, a another opportunity to say, um, you know, you can continue to play and improve it and, you know, sort of earn your spot on if you're not a certain draft pick. Yeah, because uh, as you guys know, like playing time for any, any athlete in any sport is what's going to get you to develop and become a much better player. So having these players come out of college and not giving them an opportunity to play is a detriment to their 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 development, right? You need them playing game game in game out so that they can develop. And that's they, a farm team would definitely help those those individuals for sure.
Well, we had a comment from a, a Facebook user too, and actually asked how would we rank the importance of draft picks in regards to the big four sports, basketball, baseball, football, and hockey. Uh, I think we touched upon that as being football is likely the most important. Um, after that, I don't know. In my uh, opinion, I would say football, basketball, uh, likely hockey and baseball. Yeah, nailed it. I, I would have to agree completely with you, Brock. Yeah, that's that's the order I would have them as well. I might because Brock, you mentioned the ultimate team player, uh, the ultimate team sport. Sorry, I might flip flop football and basketball because you can actually change the whole the whole franchise with one draft pick in basketball. You can't do that in hockey. Guys need to be whatever they got to go through their farm first. Most most first round picks now they play they start they're starting in the farm. Baseball, I mean, geez, you're drafting guys 15 years old for crying out loud. They've got to go through the A, double A, triple A, and then whatever. Um, and then football, Brock. I think the value of the picks is high, but the actual pick themselves, unless it's a quarterback, it's not franchise changing. At least not right away. Um, well, it's picks, right? You have seven rounds. You have seven picks in football versus basketball. Yeah. Only two, I think. Uh, basketball has two, two, I think there's two rounds and a supplemental round or something like that. Yes. Your first round pick in basketball, if it's a top 10, it's changing. Otherwise it's kind of, you know, falls in, but, uh, exactly. You know, football has more picks and I think that you really need to still be getting guys that can play and can make an impact on your team, address needs with the sixth and seventh round. Otherwise you're just throwing them away. Now, while we have Christian here, I know you're worried about Philip Rivers uh, retiring. He's on the fence. Are you okay with him coming back? Number one, uh, would you? There's also some talk that Andrew Luck is maybe not fully retired and that he's been rested now for a couple of years and might be interested in a return of play. Seems like the Colts would be a good fit. Uh, any word on where the Colts are headed if he retires? And have you heard anything about if he's actually going to retire? Yeah, so I mean, from what I've been hearing, he is he is on the uh, on the way out. Uh, I mean, I mean, how many how many kids does he have now? Something like eight or nine or something like that. Some crazy, whatever. Like he's got he's got to have some quality family time too now. About about now, right? Um, I mean, if the, I didn't hear the rumors about Andrew Luck, my goodness, I would take that in a heartbeat. If that guy came back, like, he was our franchise player. I I loved everything about that guy. I have his rookie card. Loved everything about him. I uh, was surprised like everybody else to hear that he was retiring at such a young age, right? That was, that was shocking to hear. Um, Jacoby Brissett, he's a, he's a, he's a pretty adequate, you know, fill in for a, you know, like a backup, if you want to call it, like if he's forced into the starting, uh, starting position, then he could probably hold his own. Uh, I wouldn't want him as my number one. Um, but at the same time, if we're looking at draft picks, like we were talking about earlier, in the ideal situation, I'd like one of these guys coming up and being able to shadow a guy like Philip Rivers, right? Like that guy's got oodles and oodles experience uh, in the in the big leagues in every kind of scenario you can imagine. Uh, Game-winning comebacks in the fourth quarter. He's got like one of the highest number numbers of those, whatever. Like pressure is not his thing. He knows he doesn't get rallied. He, like he, that guy, he, he chirps with the best of them out there. I mean, like he, he he's a, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a pro, right? Um, but He's old now, right? He's old. So, Other time is undefeated. It's exactly it, right? So, do I want to roll with him for another year? Not if I had my uh, my first wish, no. But I'd like him to be there to shadow the next guy. That would be great. Speaking of roll, Brock, I think it might be time for our uh, top, top five? five. Yeah, top five.
All right. Top five. This week's top five is the top, our top personal top five Alabama Crimson Tide football players of all time. Now we will give the honors to our guest, Mr. Couture. Who are your top five? From five to one, your top five. All right. So, like I said, I prefaced this at the beginning of the, of the show. I've been watching it for probably about 10, 15 years. So, I'm going to go with the guys that I've actually had an opportunity to watch on the field, right? Yep. Okay. So, my number five, Julio Jones. That guy, unstoppable. When he, that guy is a beast. He went to Alabama? Alabama. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Julio Jones is probably the first big wide receiver that went to Alabama and really, like, changed that culture. He's their running team for so long. Julio brought that credibility. And I remember following the Julio Jones recruiting trail. Uh, and when he went to Alabama, that was a real big deal. Wow. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, obviously Amari Cooper. I mean, look what he's doing now in Dallas, but when he was in, in Alabama, man, that guy wouldn't drop a thing, broke all kinds of records. That guy was touchdowns over a thousand yards in his freshman season. Yeah. Just a beast. Speaking of beasts, Everybody knows Derrick Henry, right? Derrick Henry can't stop that choo-choo train, man. That, big that... Diesel. <laughs> yep. I, it's a love-hate relationship I have with him, man. I loved him when he was with Alabama, but I hate the fact sure. that he's not, and he's in my own my own division, so I hate everything about that guy. Um, and number two, I know he just finished, but I got Devontae Smith at number two. That guy is literally unbelievable. His route running, I know that, you know, Judy was up there with his route routing, you know, Calvin Ridley up there, whatever, but I'm watching this kid on the field and nobody can cover this guy. He gets open all the time and he's got all the numbers to, to back it up. And number one, how can you go wrong with Tua? Now I'm talking specifically while he was at Alabama. I yeah, sure. don't necessarily believe the same thing while he's in Miami right now. I don't think he, but while he was with Alabama, that guy was lights out. All right. Number one, Tua. Interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Actually, yeah. You had a little time to take a look at uh, Bama's all-time list. Who you got? Yeah. and I, I'm i the opposite of Chris because I didn't watch them on the field with Alabama, but I watched all these guys on the field in the NFL. And I have at number five, Derek Henry. Um, what a monster. Uh, number four, I have Derek Thomas who was uh, probably going to end up being better than Lawrence Taylor when his career was over. In terms of statistics, in terms of all-time sacks, he was on pace for just incredible stuff. Number three, I have Ozzie Newsome. Uh, still ranked one of the best tight ends in, in NFL history, although some of these guys now are incredible. Uh, number two, Brock, you'd be happy about this, John Hanna, all-pro guard for the New England Patriots, and I think he played for another team later in his career, but incredible player. I remember watching him growing up as a kid, uh, just being in awe. As number one on a lot of all-time Alabama lists. Uh, he's incredible. Absolutely incredible NFL career, too. And number one on my list shouldn't be number one. I only put him number one because he's, he's, he's Broadway Joe. <laughs> it's Joe Namath. I mean, the guy's an absolute legend. He falls on all, some of the lists I Googled to get some of these names. He yeah. falls around number 10 on the all-time Alabama list, somewhere in that ballpark. But I got him number one because he's Broadway Joe, you know? I mean, I don't care about the score or whatever he said. Like, <laughs> Anyway, Broadway I Joe. I want to kiss you. I want to kiss you. 
okay. Well, uh, my list is a little bit different. <laughs> Everybody's got their own style. Um, again, I kind of went with the same thing as, uh, as Chris did in terms of like guys I've seen or followed or had impacted uh, me at some point when I was watching it. Um, so I have a few honorable mentions that I would normally do. Like Derek Thomas is an honorable mention. I, you know, he was a bit before my time in terms of watching, but I was a Bills fan back then. And Cornelius Bennett had all these records that Derek Thomas was just trying to break. So I following him a little bit at that point. Um, same with Amari Cooper, that kind of stuff. Um, anyway, my number five is uh, D'Amico Ryans, this linebacker. Ooh, uh, he's Texans. Here in 2005 as a linebacker. Like, he was amazing in terms of his mental cap uh, capacity on the field and, and diagnosing plays and keeping that defense going. And for years, he was a thorn in the, in the side of the, the Florida Gators. And, you know, in 2005, again, we were just kind of rolling. We won the national championship the year after, but that he made defenses extremely difficult to play against. Number four, we had Derrick Henry. Um, again, he's a beast. I remember following his recruiting career because Florida, there was two, the number one ranked running back and number two ranked running backs in Florida high school were Fred Taylor's son was number one and Derrick Henry was number two. Florida got Fred Taylor's son, who was, I don't know, 5'11 or something like that. And then Derrick Henry went to Alabama, and he's seven foot, whatever, 400 pounds, running a 4'2". Like, it was a huge discrepancy and a huge loss for the Gators. I wish we would have got him instead. Uh, number three is uh, Andre Smith, their left tackle, the O-line from 05 to 08. Guy what a monster. East, what a monster. East. Uh, number two, I had Sean Alexander. And that's because he kind of ties into my number one because Sean was there from 96 to 99. He was just a powerhouse. And my number one um, was Chris Samuels, another offensive, uh, an offensive lineman who was blocking for Sean Alexander during that 96 to 99. Uh, in 99, the guy gave up zero sacks and zero quarterback pressures for the whole season. Zero sacks, zero quarterback pressures. And I'll let that sink in for a little bit because he's in the SEC and he's playing against guys, some defensive ends and outside linebackers that are crazy. We're talking like Leonard Littles and uh, Javon Curses and those kind of things. And you say, you know what? That's who he's going against. And he's giving up zero sacks and zero quarterback pressures. That's my number one guy. I remember watching him as a kid. That was right before I started getting recruited. And uh, Chris Samuels was like the man. You so know what? Top five. Chris Samuels had a really good career in Washington, and the poor guy was playing with terrible offenses, and he had to deal with like the Michael Strahan's of the division twice a year, and he was really underrated. Good call, Chris Samuels. Chris Samuels. You know, you know, like you know what I'm surprised too. I'm surprised nobody mentioned Mark Ingram. Only one of one of the three Heisman Trophy winners from Alabama. You got Devontae Smith, Derrick Henry. And, and and Mark Ingram, right? Ingram was I had him on my list, but he would have probably been number six, maybe for me. Can I ask you guys this season? That was what? my argument. He only had one good season, which is when he won the Heisman, but the rest of it was kind of mediocre. Where does yeah. Mark Ingram's NFL career uh, rank right now? Is he, a, is he a bust considering how high he was drafted? I mean, he's obviously still playing and he's still effective with Baltimore, but he is he going to be, is he trending like Ricky Williams? I think I think he's played with a little bit of uh, injury uh, injuries as of late, right? So I think I think you might be right. Like I put him in that same bucket. I think. I mean, he he came in and he was the talk of the town, right? He was going to be the the back for uh, for the Saints, you know. And 
You know what? Just hasn't really materialized with that. I mean, Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara has you know walked walked away with that uh, that team's in the backfield. Yeah. You know I mean? Like he he's a force to be reckoned with. That kid is is unbelievable. Lights out, best running back in my opinion in the NFL. And Brock, what, what's your take on Ingram? Kamara was in Alabama Crimson Tide, right? You let him what? to Tennessee. Yeah, there's pictures that has a, a practice. Uh, Alabama practice that has the running back unit standing there. And there's Alvin Kamara, uh, Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, TJ uh, Yeldon, and uh, I think one other person. But again, another it's, – it's insane. And Kamara oh. transferred to Tennessee. That's where he ended up. Um, but like, it's just all those guys. I'll find a picture. I'll send it to you wow. guys. But yeah phenomenal like just when you look at like oh my god those guys were all together at the same time crazy wild yeah. jalen hurts too is now the starting quarterback hurts <laughs> yeah that's true also from alabama right wow yeah Lots of talent come out of that, that, that school impressive that season was with the the sooners though i think wasn't it what's that sorry i think jalen's best season was when he was with oklahoma arguably yeah all right we have gone over time. That's what happens when we get into <laughs> conversations that we, we like and uh, we try and put a couple guys on the show at the same time and, and we know it gets carried away. I don't know why I keep doing it, but it was awesome. I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about the game last night. Um, you know, best of luck next season with all the uh, replacements that are happening and your OC being gone. I'm curious to see what happens. So we'll definitely be um, following up on that and getting you back at some point, but I appreciate your time. Pep, uh, I think we're going to just go out. To, yeah. We're going to start doing a um, a segment called the unsportsmanlike moment of the week. <laughs> gonna do, And uh, we're not going to go over it today, but here's my unsportsmanlike moment that I took. And it has nothing to do with live sports. I was watching a Sean Taylor football life. Sean Taylor is still one of my favorite players to watch. They Once he died, the Redskins, they were called the Redskins at the time, played the Buffalo Bills in the first snap of the game. The Redskins threw out 10 players on defense in honor of Sean Taylor. And the Bills ran a sweep for 30 yards. And to me, that was unsportsmanlike and uncalled for. Take the delay a game. They'll decline the penalty. Let's put a t uh, 11th, play uh, 11th player on and let's play the game. But yeah. they ran the sweep for 30 yards. And I... Just watched it and I was like, oh, that's it left a bad taste in my mouth. So for me, that was my unsportsmanlike moment of the week. Uh, obviously, that happened 15 years ago. Yeah. But, uh, it just came up. Well, the one just the one thing on the Sean, Sean Taylor, he was the only guy I think that ever made a, an actual tackle in the Pro Bowl. Um, when he lit up, the, I think it was a kicker. Was it not a kicker? It was um, more or something, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen – he just completely lit this guy up in the Pro Bowl and, uh, you know, a tragic end to a, a really good career. But Kudos on that, too, because yeah. he was running a fake punt. You want to yeah. run a fake punt? Sean Taylor's going to come take your head off. And that was insane. <laughs> it was insane. Uh, we're going out to your choice. Renegade by the Sticks. It's for you, Lauren. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Again, thanks to our producer, Mike Pignat, in the background, and our quality control, Curtis Fleming. Thanks to our guests, Ron Rico and Chris, for joining us today. That was a great show. Tune in next week, 7 p.m., same time, same place. You're probably going to all be home at the same place as well. <laughs> Stay safe. Hangman.
Man is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long.